Hello and welcome to the Road Trip Sports Podcast. My name is Harrison Crook and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Oliver Gilmore. Ollie, how you doing? Hanging in there, mate. Hanging in there indeed. It's been a tough old week for you, hasn't it? It's been a pretty grim week. Um, between the Blues finding a way to finish ninth and um, we've also put at the top of the show here the fact that the Tigers, they also found a way to lose 72-6. to six. So, does oh. it get much worse of a sporting weekend than that? I'm going to say no. Yeah, but as you mentioned before, the Packers won. They did. They won a preseason game, which means absolutely nothing. Except <laughs> Jordan Love shine, so that'll give me a bit of... Uh, a bit more to chat about for him, a bit more hope. So. Jordan Love did play very well in that one. Well, it's going to be a great show today. Uh, we've got a special guest, Aaron Carroll, on the podcast a little bit later to discuss the NFC West. Uh, we're also going to talk all things news. It's been a huge week in news this week. We've got lots of AFL news, a little bit of NFL news in there as well, as well as a gigantic stuffed mailbag. So it's going to be a big episode. We hope you enjoy it. If you do enjoy it, make sure you follow us on all the socials. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Road Trip Sports Pod. You can find us on YouTube, search Road Trip Sports Podcast. Any inquiries you've got, send them through to Road Trip Sports Podcast at gmail.com or you can slide into our DMs on any of our socials to get in touch with us. If you'd like to come on the pod and share some of your stories, we'd absolutely love to hear from you. Alrighty, let's get into the week. That was, it's been a Big week for coaches in the AFL. We'll start off with the big news. Alistair Clarkson, North has got their man. Thoughts? Mate, I was ecstatic and I'm obviously not a North fan because he, I listened to the, the um, basically his press conference, his first yep. press conference um, as coach of the club and he just showed so much passion. Like he really, really loves and respects that organisation. He is such a such a good person for the role, and I think that you know there was murmurings of him going to Essendon, which he quickly actually shut down in his press conference. But wasn't that just awesome to see? I think it's a really good move for North, and it'll be interesting to see um, how quickly he can get them back. It's got to be more. It's got to be a five-year plan at least, because that list is pretty depleted as we chatted about with Noah. Yeah, I think that it's a great move on both fronts. I think for North, getting a coach of that caliber is going to bring interest to the club. It's going to bring players in um, who want to play under him. But also for Alistair Clarkson, it's coming back to the club he played for. It's a new project to sort of build upon. If he can bring North into relevance and into being a true contender, wouldn't that be a story? Wouldn't that be a cherry on top of an already impressive coaching career? Yeah, I think that, I think he's probably the, the coaching goat, at least of the modern century, at least of the modern era, um, for sure. But I think that that would almost set set everything in stone. I think to take a team that's that down, that down in the dumps and, and bring them a, a premiership, I honestly, I can't see it. Like, that's how grim it is. But you never know. Like, he's just a mastermind. It's almost like... Uh when Tom Brady, and to compare it to another sport, when Tom Brady left the Patriots for the Buccaneers, a sort of down-on-their-luck franchise, hadn't really maintained any relevancy and immediately shot them up. I think if he can take them and make a star out of North Melbourne, it's really that resume sealer that's that's why he's the greatest. Yeah, he's not a player. So I think he's going to have to implement some sort of system with the talent that he's got. 
it's going to have to really rely on the system that he develops with the talent around him. And look, I don't think he wants to rebuild. Just quietly, I listened to that press conference and I thought, yeah, if I take anything from this, I think that they've asked him questions about some older players, you know, Brad Hill and that coming to the club. And he sort of went, yeah, look, we'll, we'll assess the draft, we'll assess free agency, we'll assess the trade period, which sort of comes across to me that he's not fully in on a rebuild. No, I, I didn't expect him to be because I feel like he just wants to accelerate that club to start him. But you think about those that Hawthorne team, they had one draft. They picked Buddy, they got Luke Hodge, they got Jordan Lewis, Roughhead, yeah. and like that sent him. Sent him square, they were sweet after that. So it's like, does it take one draft with him where they load up on picks? We know they don't have a lot of picks this year, but do they trade for heaps of picks? Um, or do they go out and just get talent straight away? Who knows? Jury's still out. Jury's still out, and it's going to be an interesting uh, off-season for North Melbourne. Another interesting off-season will be for Greater Western Sydney hiring Adam Kingsley as their head coach. What are our thoughts on this one? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I would have liked them to have kept McVeigh. I thought he's done a pretty decent job, but I think they just want a new face in there, um, which is fair enough. Um, and he's been Richmond's assistant coach since 2019 and was actually second... Uh, they, they say second, like it was the runner-up of the jobs for Carlton and Collingwood last year. So right. um, he's already been a candidate for a senior position. I think that, you know, he's probably just went, yep, I'm keen to do it. And there's a job there. So I think he probably jumped at the opportunity again. There's some fairly decent players on their list as well. They're not too far removed from their grand final appearance. I think it's a pretty uh, interesting job to take. And yeah. I hope, he, I hope he does terrible. I could talk about GWS's list all day because I feel like there's so many things that they do that I'm like, they've got such a great list, but they make some horrible decisions. Like, yeah. I'll give you one example. Um, Tanner Bruin from Geelong, wanted to play for Geelong. Um, I think he might even go to Geelong after this year. Um I'm not sure if his contract's up or if he wants to be traded, but he doesn't want to be there. Draft night, he was upset and down in the dumps for a guy that had just been drafted to the AFL. And I just think that they make decisions like that, you know, best player available too many times. You know, we always talk about the balance between picking the best player available and picking, um, you know, a positional knee. But I think it's a bit more relevant in the AFL um, mm. where, you know, you got to sort of, you can't, eight midfielders into four exactly like they've got or four or five you know including your wingers so yeah i think that they've got to make some decisions and hopefully he can bring them a bit of guidance yeah definitely definitely um another big coaching news ben uh rutten sacked from the Bombers' head coaching job, the team and the club itself are in absolute shambles right now this has got to be filling you with glee yeah not much is but I feel like uh, I feel like this might be because the Bombers just do something that the Bombers do. They make some questionable decisions and they're going to be paying him $600,000 next year. I think he's a great coach. And he even said in a post-game press conference um, against the Tigs, he said, look, I think I've been hard done by and everyone else um, agrees, I think so. Mm. Definitely, definitely. Well, looking now at the uh, AFL ladder, we've come to the end of a an incredibly tight race for the top eight. And we saw that in the game, which you've referenced, the Carlton Collingwood game, how tight this race has been, that it came down to those final moments on the final day. 
Uh, running down the ladder, we've got number one, Geelong, number two, Melbourne, number three, Sydney. Collingwood have catapulted themselves into the top four. Uh, Fremantle at five, Brisbane at six, Richmond seven, and Western Bulldogs at eight. Huge last round, incredible last round. What are our thoughts going into finals? Um, I'm pretty disconnected now, as you can imagine. <laughs> um, I think that, you know, Geelong and Melbourne at the top, they're going to be hard to beat, um, especially for those other teams that are sort of around the mark. But you never know, like a team like Sydney, it's, I, you know, with the form that they have, and they can almost beat anyone. So they've got to lose twice in four games, which I know they're, they're, they're playing in the finals and it's tough competition, but... It's not something the Swans do. They, If they drop one, they always find a way to get back and get a win. So maybe it'll be a, a loss, a win, a loss, or whatever it is. But I think that they'll be a good contender as well. Collingwood, how many lives do they have? They've certainly used mm-hmm. up all nine. So it'll be interesting to see. Hopefully they go out in straight sets. And um, the rest of the competition is sort of just, I think, they just make up the numbers. I can't see anyone outside the top four, but we have seen it plenty of times before. It's, so It's really tough. Uh, before the weekend, I could have seen Brisbane, but the way they played against Melbourne, it just it proved that they're not a true contender. The way they... The style of football that they played, how grubby they were, how disconnected from good football they were, it's it was really disheartening. Yeah, they couldn't handle the... Ki- it couldn't handle the heat, so uh, they had to get out of the kitchen because they were terrible. Um, yeah, they couldn't handle the heat. Their back line has seemed to be a problem all year. Um, we know they like to win up there, and they could knock off the Tigs, but current form suggests probably not. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, well, now we just, we've just we had a few retired players who played their last games. Just want to give a quick shout-out to a few of them, run through them um, speed round. Dan Hanabry, uh, did you catch his last game at all? I didn't watch that one, mate. I was uh, too busy on my walk. In your feelings. In my feelings. So <laughs> he had a great game. Thirty disposals. Um, a lot of the. Oh, com- did he? Wow. A lot of the commentators were saying that maybe it's a bit too early, but I think those injuries have just caught up with him over the years. And um, yeah, he said afterwards uh, that yeah, his body is feeling all right, but it might be time. Um, Michael Hurley has retired as well. Uh, ben McAvoy, Robbie Gray, Paddy Ryder, and Josh Kennedy. Um, as well yeah they're sort of the big names and we'll have a couple more that'll go as their teams get eliminated as well yeah for sure um, next up UFC 278 uh, Leon Edwards uh, won the welterweight title by defeating Kamara Usman um, what did you think of that fight yeah I thought I thought Usman had it the whole way I thought he was easily going to win that fight and he just it was a lapse of judgment and it looked like an innocuous knockout like Mm. it looked like something that you just went did he seriously just knock him out from that kick but you know you look at more angles and you're like yeah okay he's connected well and he's uh, sent him straight to the mat Um, for the future of this I think that I can't see Edwards beating him again Um, I thought he was outclassed but you know that's what they always say you're a puncher's chance at all times so and I, I honestly think it was a case of that so yeah definitely agree i've only sort of seen the highlights of it but yeah he connected very well when you saw all the all the angles of it um we've also ollie you've mentioned that we're gonna have a special guest on a little bit later uh we don't talk ufc too much on the podcast but um when 280 comes around we've got a special guest yeah we're just gonna have a bit of a chat about that card so that card's not until the middle of october so maybe it'll be sort of you know when we have a bit of a Oh, I'd say a bit of a break from sports. Maybe AFL's finished up and then we just... Because 
usually the fights are usually set in stone we don't see too many late changes a few weeks out you know we might see one or two around here but the card is is ridiculous you know you've got Oliveira v um islam then you've got sterling v dillashaw peter yarn versus sugar sean o'malley that is like three main events on most cards so it'll be interesting to see and we'll be good to have a chat about that and just you know chat about ufc and a few different things so for sure for sure um, moving on now to NFL news. The NFL and the NFLPA have reached a settlement to suspend the Cleveland Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson for 11 games, and he's going to receive a $5 million fine. There's a lot of other conditions on that where he's got to um, attend seminars and rehab himself um, as well. Do you think that's a sufficient punishment? Yeah, it's really a case of how long is a piece of string like, the six weeks, I was like, oh, that's not a lot. But at the same time, it didn't surprise me. And then 11 yeah. weeks is like, that's not a not lot. Not a lot. <laughs> but it, it's, it doesn't surprise me. I'm glad. Like, I'm, it's like, I'm saying I'm glad, but I feel like that's a... Uh, six to 12 weeks was probably the mark. And then if, if it was a year, I wouldn't have been angry or surprised. Or, anyway, you know what I mean? So it's just really weird to assess how many weeks. It's a bit of a novel situation. I will raise one thing after you speak, though. Yeah, the curious thing I thought about is the 11 games. That's such a weird number yep, because a week 13, the first week back, he plays the Houston Texans. Do you think that's a deliberate move by the NFL? Oh, 100%. Yeah. There's no doubt in my mind that that's, that's a deliberate move. And my point was uh, it just... It's weird because, you know, you've got Calvin Ridley who gets suspended for the season for gambling on sports. And we've had figures that... He bet on one out. game while he was away from the team. And it wasn't even, a like, a lot of money, yeah. like, in the grand scheme of things. And I just think that it's like, oh, God. I, don't, I honestly don't know what to say. When you're comparing those two, and I know that there's it's a case of, well, one's not proven, one's proven. But at the same time, they're <sighs> few on. and far between those... Um, those allegations so i think that's the biggest problem with the nfl suspensions that i've had is just their inconsistency like you looked at even looking back to the ray rice uh the kareem hunt all of those incidents where yeah ray rice gets four games when it's proven and then calvin ridley gets a year and like josh gordon yes he's had a problem with substances but he's been almost suspended indefinitely for what seven years now and we've got guys who are proven to be domestic abusers, proven to be doing some of these heinous crimes who are still playing in our league. And it's it's pretty upsetting, isn't it? Yeah, well, we saw the Peterson suspension as well, that that was for the rest of the season. But that was in November, so that wouldn't have been too far down the yeah. line. That was a decent amount of time. It's honestly like, what do you compare it to? Like, you could put a massive list of these together and try and figure something out. Um, and that's the issue with these cases is that, you know, we almost want something to be, to, we almost want some evidence. Did it happen? Did it not happen? Because, I mean, everyone's left a bit like, oh, you can just speculate and that's what yeah. I think a lot of people are doing, so... Alrighty. Um, well, that's it for our uh, news chat for the moment. Um, now, we've got Aaron coming on the podcast. Let's get into that chat with him now. Hey, Aaron, thank you so much for joining us once again on the podcast today. It's a pleasure to have you back on. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, mate. How about yourself? Yeah, going well, going well. Um, yeah, as I mentioned, we had you on, I think it was episode six 
uh, where we talked a little bit about uh, the LA Rams and how the move um, was received by the LA community. We've got you back on today because we are talking NFC West, but first, we haven't actually done our special guest introduction with you. So I thought I'd run through that with you today, if you'd like. Yep, yeah, go ahead. So let's start off. Uh, tell us, who are your top three teams across any sport? Well, top three teams, um, my, well, my number one now is actually the NFL Rams, yep. Los Angeles Rams. Uh, my second team, which is I've followed since I was young, is Parramatta Eels. And uh, I am from Queensland, so I do go for the Queensland Maroons as well. They're probably yep. the three teams I follow the most, but I've got other little ones, as in Orlando Magic, Pittsburgh Penguins. They're everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we're very much the same in that, yeah, got little pockets of every sport. We've at least got one team to sort of, to sort of hang our hat on and root for, hey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, now we'll cross to the other side. Who are your top three rivals? Who are the teams you cannot stand in any sport? Okay. Uh, San Francisco 49ers. Because <laughs> they've had the Rams number for years and years and years and years. Um, and, they are and to the Rams very... what the Rams have been to the Seahawks, hey? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's not that I hate it. It's just like, oh, God, they're just going to find a way to beat us no matter what. It's just what they always seem to pot, like beat us. It's just very frustrating to watch. It's nice you got, <laughs> the, you got the monkey off your back then in the uh, in the title game. Hey, it was. I was super scared <laughs> that old match. I was not. I'm like, oh god, oh god, here we go on that last <laughs> drive, and then, oh, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, freaking me out. Um, oh, the other probably two, I'd say. Oh, Manly, Sea Eagles. Everyone hates Manly. Oh, I think they'd be in everyone's top three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's just a natural thing. Everyone hates Manly. Yep. Uh, um, Even Manly and, uh, fans, just a little bit. <laughs> and uh, oh, another one, man. Uh, I don't hate many, many teams. Oh. I'll probably go oh, another NFL team. I just... Raiders. Yeah, yeah. And it's not really the team, it's the fans. Very, it's, yeah, very toxic fan base, especially oh, when they're mate, And one-eyed, like just so many, like you can't speak logic to them, you know what I mean? And, <laughs> it's just, no, 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 no. If you did this or did this, it's never their fault. It's never their team's fault. It's just, oh, God, yeah, yeah. Shout out to all the Raiders fans listening. Um, <laughs> so um, a lot of, the, as the pod is the road trip sports podcast, we like to talk about all the different cities that we've been to and watch sports in. Um, what are the cities you've attended uh, sports events in? Um, well, we're including boxing in this. Yeah, go for it. I've actually been to Germany to watch one of uh, a friend go, go for a heavyweight title uh, shot. And wow. uh, yeah, it was great, great time. He lost, but um, his name's Carly Meehan. So, yep. but uh, it was an experience. It was, the German crowd was unbelievably quiet. Okay. And, and here you got about 10 Aussies screaming their heads off. <laughs> and literally, I, I, we had people turn around and go and doing shh. 
And we're like, no, come on, Tommy! It's a, it's a <laughs> boxing match, not a library. Oh, mate, look, because they, their guy, they'll, they'll, they'll all go on for the other guy, and he'd, he'd land a good shot, and they'd do like a golf clap. And you're like, what? <laughs> and none of them stood up. They're all in their seats, just golf clapping. <laughs> it is. It was such a weird experience. It was so surreal. But um, yeah, yeah it, it was a good time, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, other than that, oh, I've, I haven't been too many. Just the local, local stuff in Australia. So yeah, gotcha. Yeah, Parramatta Eels, state of origin. Yeah. What's the uh, what's your favourite sports game that you've ever attended? It was actually a preliminary final um, with the Parramatta Eels versus the Canterbury Bulldogs. Yep. And it was at, uh, I think it was called ANZ Stadium at the time. Yep. And, and it literally when it was, I think, max capacity of about 100,000. And it literally had 50,000 Eels fans and 50,000 Bulldog fans. That's and cool. the way they sold the tickets, half the stadium was blue and gold, half the stadium was blue and white. And literally, I remember at one time, the match was really close. They're, they're hitting each other. And then you hear the call, para. And then after we say power, the dogs fans would go, bulldogs. And literally went for five minutes like, para, bulldogs, para. And they're just, oh, it was electric, electric. That's such cool atmosphere. Did, uh, did Parramatta end up getting up in that game? Yeah, Parramatta won, Parramatta won. Celebrating all the way home on the train. I bet you were. (laughs) Bet you were. Um, Well, the last question we've got for our introduction is: If you could travel to one sports city to watch a game, what city would it be, and what sport, what game would you go to? Oh, I'd have to be NFL, Uh, uh, LA, Um, SoFi. Uh, Yeah, that's the one. uh, Probably, I'd like to probably see a rivalry game. Yep. Especially in Niners or even uh, Seahawks, just because I know the the atmosphere would be different. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. SoFi, um, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago on the pod, I went to SoFi and, yeah, it's just an incredible, incredible place to watch a football game. And, yeah, there's no bad seat in that house. So it looks well, yeah, like an absolutely fantastic venue to watch a football game in. Yeah, everyone raves on about it. Everyone... That I've got a couple of friends who've gone as well, and they've just said it's it's amazing. It's yeah. literally amazing. You don't want to stay in that area. You want to basically get dropped off and go watch your game, and then get picked up and get out of there. But- yeah, I, we didn't spend too much time in uh, in Inglewood. We we drove straight in, straight out. Yeah, I've heard that from a lot of people saying, "No, you just want to get an Uber in, and then you want to get an Uber out." Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into our NFL superlatives now. This week, we are covering the NFC and AFC West. We're going to do the NFC West with you, and then Ollie's going to take over, and we're going to do the AFC West uh, with Ollie. But let's start with the NFC West, and let's start with the best player. Who's the best player in the NFC West? Jimmy Garoppolo? No. The <laughs> <laughs> best-looking player, just the best oh, one. Oh, fair <laughs> enough. Oh, fair enough. Uh, well, well, both. It's, it's still Aaron Donald. He's the king. <laughs> there is there is a goat, and his name is Aaron Donald. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. I don't think many can match with what he's done, not only for the NFC West, but I think for the whole NFL. 
he is just another level of player. He's been absolutely incredible. And I think it was good news for everybody, maybe except for anyone in the NFC West, when Aaron Donald re-signed and re-upped his contract and his commitment to the team. It's, um, it's great that he's going to be around for a few more years. Even though he's the highest played defensive player in the league, he's still not getting enough money to, to for what he's given to this team. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, well, let's move on now. The best team. Do we need to look anywhere else other than the Super Bowl champions? No. <laughs> the LA Rams, of course. Uh, best offense? Rams. Best defense? Rams. I'm noticing a bit of a trend here. Do we need to do we need to go through this at all? Or can we just like write Rams in for everything? No, no, no. You'll get a surprise <laughs> on the next one. You'll get a surprise on the next one. All right. Best special teams. Why is it the Rams? No, it's San Fran. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Go through this one with me. Well, uh, we do have Matt Rams do have Matt Gay, who has been terrific ever since he got with us. But we lost Johnny Hecker, and now we've got he Riley knows. Dixon. And well, Johnny Hecker was going downhill too, so yeah. But I still think like we got this uh, nobody for a punt returner and a nobody for a punter, so we got a great kicker, but yeah. But with San Fran, their the kicker and their punter are absolutely <laughs> killers, <laughs> both of them. <laughs> As stated by Robbie Gould, kicking over Aaron Rodgers as he's running out on the field, refusing yeah. to move. Like, <laughs> oh, that, that's just gangster. I mean, God. And uh, <laughs> you, you can pick anyone in that team who's great to return the ball. Any of them can do it. Like, the way Kyle Shanahan has set up that team, it's, it's, it's pretty solid. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, well, let's move on now. Best fantasy player. Who's going to excel? Who are you going to target? Uh, we're in a fantasy league together, so maybe don't give too much away because uh, we've yet to have our draft yet. But who do you think well, is the fantasy player in the NFC West? I think it'll be Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel? Oh, yeah, so not yeah. tough. No, I I really think Alan Robinson will take away from uh, maybe not catches, but I think touchdowns, I think, uh, from Cooper Cup, which will lower his result. He'll still have a good fantasy year. But I don't think it'll be anything on where he was last year. Yeah, last year was another world. Um, yeah. I think that it's hard because Devo Samuel is one of the only, he's one of the main key pieces of that Niners offense where a lot of teams will key and try and shut him down as their main game plan. I could see him having a regression in fantasy where Cooper Cup having Alan Robinson there sort of takes away some of the spotlight from the defense where he can still get open. He can still have that big impact. I think it's a real toss up. I don't think you'd go wrong with either of them, to be honest, if either of them were on the board, flip a coin. Yeah. See, I had the exact same thoughts, but then I thought back to last year, people knew Debo was getting the ball. And in that scheme, in that scheme that uh, San Fran's running, he's protected. He gets the ball and he gets space because of that line and how they run 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 their run scheme. So that's why I think, because I even said that, like I thought, oh, the Rams have got to come up with something to stop him. And no, still couldn't stop him. Mm. I think it's going to be different this year with Bobby Wagner. But Hopefully, hopefully for your sake. Yeah. Uh, let's move on now. Best draft. Who had the best draft in the NFC West? 
Well, the Rams never have a first pick, so I can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I actually probably think um, what Seattle's doing again is is pretty good. Um, I really like the Kobe Bryant pick. The yeah. I was hoping the Rams would get him, but yeah, I knew he wouldn't last past a second, and we didn't have a second either. So <laughs> yeah, well, Kobe Bryant actually fell quite a quite a long way in the draft. I believe he was a fourth round pick. So um, was he? He was, yeah, fourth round pick. Um, so a lot of teams did pass on him. I think he has got a lot of upside and a lot of value, though. So I think he's going to have a big yeah. impact on the Seattle Seahawks team. I think with Kenneth Walker um, drafting in the third round there, uh, that, sorry, the second round, uh, they had Marfe and two tackles uh, building strong lines on either side. I really think that, um, yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. Seattle Seahawks with a great draft. Um, looking to rebuild and uh, reset for the future. No, I, I agree with that. Like, but they do have higher picks because they are not doing so well anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Had to take your little digs at the Seahawks when you can get them. Oh, I have to. I have to. <laughs> got to let them. Got to let them know. <laughs> who's the uh, Who's the best coach in the NFC West? I think it's a real two horse race at the moment. I do too, man. Like. Uh, it's Sean McVay, just to clear fact that he's won won the chip. But mm. I would say a close second is a Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, I think they're both very comparable. I think that because Kyle Shanahan hasn't he hasn't crossed that hump, he hasn't reached the mountaintop um, mm. just yet. He's had the very the two very famous collapses now, both as an offensive coordinator and as a head coach. Yeah, uh, I think that because Sean McVay's done it. That's just that little edge where Sean McVay gets the uh, gets the chocolates there, but uh, two even though, very good head coaches, yeah, definitely. Like that scheme, oh, Kyle runs as an offense is wow. The way he gets his his O line to perform, it, it is you could chuck like well, any running back in there and they perform. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Um, who's the worst fan base in the NFC West? <laughs> uh, I, for the sheer fact of something that happened last year, I it's San Fran for me. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I would have thought they were pretty alright. Do you want to go through that one for me? Well, because I follow Kelly Stafford, which is Matthew Stafford's wife. She's mm-hmm. got her own little podcast, and I listen to that because there's little funny things that go on, but. She went to watch uh, her husband play football at, at uh, the 49ers home ground yep. and was um, berated and uh, stuff thrown at her. And when she clapped back, uh, it was all about her reaction and how she reacted, not how she was getting treated there. And yeah, gotcha. uh, I, <laughs> I, I find it pretty funny that as that, it was the 49ers and she's gone to other games and that's not happened before. Yeah. Now it is, that is pretty poor form. Um, well, switching gears now, who's the best fan base in the NFC West? Oh, well, it's, I hate to say it. It's Seattle. Yeah. I, I'd that, agree with the 12s. Um, the 12s, man, that like just, you can hear them through the TV. You can yeah. literally see the earthquake through the TV. <laughs> like, <laughs> you give it to them, they come out in force and they perform. 
Yeah, I think that the Rams are slowly starting to creep up. I think that Super Bowl win really helped galvanize the fan base and bring in those people who were sort of on the fence about um, the LA teams to jump over to the Rams. So I think that they're really starting to build a very strong core fan base, but they aren't quite at the Seattle Seahawks level. Oh, and I think they won't be for 10 years or so. Yeah. Like, they are starting to build. to establish roots in a new city. Yeah, yeah. Well, they they they're a bit lucky because they had, um, they they were in LA before, so they've got a little bit of roots. But um, yeah, it's it's going to take a while before the mercurial LA fan base jumps on board. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah. Uh, well, let's move on now. Best rookie. Who do you think will be the best rookie uh, in 2022? Uh, well, I'm biased on this, but I did, like I said, I really like Kobe Bryant. Yep. Um, I really wanted to say Kyron Williams for us, but he's broken his foot and he's only just coming back. Yep. Uh, who else? Like, I think Kenneth Walker's got a really good shot. Uh, in With that backfield, there's not a lot of standout names. Uh, maybe Chris Carson, but I think Kenneth Walker has the ability to jump those guys and really make a standout role in a team that's developing a new identity. So I think look for Kenneth Walker to have a really big year with the Seahawks. Yeah, it's just if they can get that line moving, that's a thing. That's gonna, that's a big if, but they've drafted yeah. two, uh, two big tackles, hopefully can bookend their team for years to come. If they can get those guys working, it, it might be a case where things start to come together for them. Yeah, I agree. It's out of all the lightness, it'd probably be Kenneth Walker. All right, moving on. Best divisional game. Who, which divisional game are we most looking forward to in the NFC West? Oh, it's going to be between San Fran and uh, the Rams, hasn't it? I think so. The divisional, um, the rematch of the NFC title game from last season, the Niners at the Rams in week seven. It's very early. So they're playing there. I think it's week five and week seven. Uh, The Niners Rams are week four and week seven. I I found that really confusing. Why are you taking away two premier games that early in the season? Yeah. And we we talked about this last week with the, I believe it was the AFC East. They had the uh, Colts and Titans games like very early in the season. And in like the, three and five, just having one week in between. It's a very odd way to structure a schedule. I've got some questions for the for the NFL schedule makers about that one because you want those big divisional matchups late when they're deciding divisions, even just for ratings. Well, yeah, that's what I meant. The last, I think, probably decade they've been doing, the last game of the year is usually a divisional game for every team. Yeah. I, and it's this, it's, this is the first year I've noticed they've put them so close together and at, at the start of the year. It's, it's, it's maybe they're testing something, you know, maybe they're seeing how that's going to play out, but yeah, I, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. I like the divisional games at the end. Like the, when the San Francisco beat the Rams last year, that game was so good to watch, even though we lost when, <laughs> but it, 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 it's exciting. It's, it, it builds a rivalry. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's those, those are rivalry builders, and that's what you want. If you've got, like, and we, we saw it in the AFL, to make comparisons, we saw it in the AFL where Collingwood and Carlton played Yay. in the last round of the season to decide um, who would make the finals. 
that's the kind of thing that builds rivalries, that builds suspense, and that's what you're really looking for. Yeah, no, and exactly right. It's, it's weird, but we'll see how it goes this year. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, so who's the best dynasty in the NFC West? 49ers. Yeah, I think the 49ers. I think the 49ers <laughs> have to be it. They've got the five championships. I don't think yeah. that can be beaten. Yeah, do we, need, we don't need to say it anymore, 49ers. <laughs> Are you sure? Do you want to talk about how good the 49ers are? No, 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 right. no, no. All right, only if you're sure. Uh, which is the best rivalry in the NFC West? Ooh. A lot of for me, it's uh, I <laughs> for me, it's it's Seattle and Rams. But I know people, a lot of people say different. Yep. But tell uh, us why it's the Rams and the Seahawks. Well, for me, because I followed the Rams when we were bad, and then we were really bad. Yeah. When Seattle were were winning and had Russell and won the. We always seem to, no matter how bad we were playing, no how many bad players we had, we always seem to beat the, the Seahawks. <laughs> and I was so delighted. That was probably the one game I would be going, I, no matter what, no matter where I am, I'm going to take the day off from work or I am watching this game. Because yeah. no matter what we did, we went to another level against the Seahawks. And it was great to watch. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think that is a very good rivalry. I think the big pushback from people would be that the Se- the Seahawks versus the Niners, especially in those early 2010s years, was very impactful, not just to the division, but to the league as a whole. We saw them play in NFC title games. We saw the constant bickering, the um, impact moments with your Richard Shermans and a lot of the other players really getting heated. Um, yeah incredible rivalry and i think that it's kind of died down now with the seahawks not being as relevant um no. but there's still a lot of bad blood between them and i think that that one um if the match is there i think that rivalry is key to pick up uh very shortly no i agree but it's it's with the way sam fran have been for they've been the most dominant team in this by far in this nfc west for ages yeah, as in Super Bowl wins, and they they carry the most legacy out of all of us. But I love how it's all. I would agree with all three, like Seahawks and 49ers and Seahawks and Rams, and I'd even say 49ers and Rams. Yep. But with one thing I never see is anyone say, "Oh, that's a great rivalry with Arizona." Yeah, they kind of just feel like the odd one out, don't they? Yeah, like it. Like you, I know the 49ers struggle to beat them. That that's their pip team. I don't know why, but it it's it's it's. A, I don't know. I don't want to say it. Oh, the forty. It's like Arizona. Like, oh, you, you're doing well. Keep going, buddy. Keep going. Like they're that team. Yeah. You know what I mean? And just no one has seems to have a rivalry with them. Yeah. No, for yeah. sure. Um, moving on now, our last one before our division prediction. Uh, surprise Pro Bowler. Who do you think will be a surprise Pro Bowler out of the NFC West? Hmm. <laughs> Can... I'm Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford? Has he made the Pro Bowl before? Only as an emergency. Oh, okay. Well, I think, uh, yeah, I think that's a really good shout, actually. I didn't realize he hadn't made the Pro Bowl. Yeah. 
that's I I found that I think about a week ago. I'm like, wow, he's never made the Pro Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> and then on us, he made 27 in the top 100, and they've never invited him on the show with of how many years he's been in the league. Yeah. He's been very overlooked throughout his career, partly, I think, due to him be, playing for Detroit and playing for a yeah. Lions team that struggled for so many years. Um, if I had to pick a surprise pro, pro bowler, I'm probably going with Elijah Mitchell, uh, running back out of San Fran. I just think with the way that uh, Kyle Shanahan draws up his offense and with a lot of the focus to be on Debo, I'm looking for another player on that offense to really take the load and to really explode. And I think that if it's going to be someone, it's going to be Elijah Mitchell. Uh, I kind of agree with that, but uh, watching Shanahan, it could be any running back that comes off, comes into that scheme. Like uh, that, I think your Dolphins picked one up from him. Matt Breeder? Was it Matt Breeder? Uh, Raheem Mostert we picked up. Yeah, Raheem Mostert, yeah. And he came off the street from them and performed, and then you guys picked him up. So I think any running back in that scheme... It will perform, but yeah, it's just, it's pick your pick with that, I think. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right, let's move on now to our division predictions. We're going to start at four and move all the way to one. Who's going to come last in the NFC West? Seahawks. Number three. Cardinals. Number two. 49ers. And number one. Yeah, Rams. The Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, I think I Los Ramos. With that one. Um, I think the Niners will be probably your biggest. Uh, as we sort of discussed with the divisional games, I think the Niners will be the biggest challenge to the Rams, but I think that the Rams are just too good of a team. I'll look for them to get very high seed in the NFC. It's with the 49ers, it's how Trey, Trey Lance is going to play. We mm-hmm. haven't seen a consistent Trey Lance. And I really liked him coming out. I thought he would have been better than what I saw from him playing for him. But that's probably Kyle Shanahan's system because I know that system is complicated. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. So if he if he puts on fire, you know what? He He's a running, good-throwing quarterback. He, they could even make number one if there's something happens. But I think the, the question mark over QBs really got me um, putting them at two. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, Well, that's it for our NFC West chat. And that's it for our chat with Aaron. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. We really appreciate uh, you sharing your expertise about the NFC West with us. No worries. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it, buddy. Take care. Same to you. Thanks so much, Aaron, for coming on the podcast. Absolute pleasure uh, to have you on as always. And we'll have to throw out a little bit of merch to you uh, when it comes in. But we're moving on now to the AFC West superlative. So it's a big division. It's probably one of the tightest divisions in the league. So let's get into it. Ol, who do you think is the best player in the AFC West? I think you've got to go with with Patrick Mahomes. Um, There's a case for a few different uh, people here, you know, you Devonta Adams, you Justin Herbert, um, who are up there for their position. But I feel like you just got to go with Patrick Mahomes, um, you know, being an MVP winner. So I just think that it'll be interesting to see um, how how it all pans out for him this season with what many would say is probably a lesser a lesser offense. So 
It's almost like the Rick, Fre- Rick Flair adage to be the man, you got to beat the man. And we've got to see someone really take over that mantle from Patrick Mahomes um, before we crown anyone else the best player in the league. I think he's still um, not just the best player in the division, but the best player in the league. Um, who's the best team in the AFC West? I think it's still got to be the Chiefs. And once again, there's a case for the other teams, but I think that, you know, that'd be the prediction for number one. Bit of a sneak peek for me, but... Um, I think that they're looking at a Super Bowl this year, and I think that them and the Bills, I think they'll probably meet again. I think they're looking for a Super Bowl. Every year of Patrick Mahomes' 10-year contract, I agree, they're the best team. In the AFC West, who's the best offense? Now, this is this is different because we've got a Chiefs team who obviously lost Tyreek Hill. He's gone to your Big Dolphins. Big loss, yep. Um but I'm still convinced that they're number one for me. You know, they add Juju Smith-Schuster, who has had some down years, but he's also had Ben Roethlisberger as the QB, who we know is regressing. Um, and then you've got MVS from the Packers, who can sort of stretch the field a bit. But then you've also got Nicole Hardman. So and they've still, still got, got Travis Kelsey, Clyde exactly. Edwards-Alaire. So you've still got those guys that can make a play. And then you've got Jarek McKinnon, who's quick. You've got Rojo, Ronald Jones from the Bucks. Um, you say that they do, they've lost players, but really, they've, they've still restocked the cupboard a bit. Yeah, and I'm interested to see how Orlando Brown uh, Jr. plays this year because he's a very solid uh, lineman. If they play him in the spot that he likes to play in because he's got a lot of issues um, where he he's basically like, yep, put me in this position, and if not, I'm going to crack the shit. So, um, anyways, but who's your pick, mate? Yeah, I, I've got to agree, the Kansas City Chiefs. I think shout-out to the Raiders. They're low-key. have got a very good uh, roster that they've developed with, you look at Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, um, Darren Waller, even looking at their uh, Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake in the backfield. I think the thing that tips Kansas City over the edge is that quarterback position. I think that that's where they, they own the leverage. Um, but even looking at the other teams, you've got Justin Herbert and Russell Wilson in the division. They're... There's not a bad offense there. Seriously, you could have a go at the Chiefs as well with with Eckler, with Herbert, with Mike Williams, Keenan Allen. Um, oh, maybe oh, it's just that tight end that sort of lets them down a bit because otherwise it's like, it's like oh well, I could dangerous. I could talk about the the Chargers as well. So yeah, and then the Broncos are a little bit of a dark horse, but they've still got some they've got some guys around as well. It's gonna be a very fun year this division. You know what? I've got a bit of a prediction. Yep. I, you know, you think about that Breakfast Club theme from Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford, and I could see it happening this year with Russell Wilson and Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton. I think we might see that similar connection. You know, you've got an upgrading QB, um, and it'll be really interesting to see which one of those breaks out. Like, I know from a fantasy perspective, they're both going, like, back-to-back because everyone's like, who the hell do I pick? Yeah. Because, like... I, and I think everyone predicts that, you know, they've, um, Cortland Sutton and uh, Russell Wilson are both heavily into their faith. So they're like, maybe, you know, that's the connection there. But everyone's trying to predict that breakout, that, yeah. that connection like Cup and, and Stafford. And you never know. Like, if we could see something like that where a wide receiver takes a massive jump, you never know. Maybe the Broncos are up the top and maybe they've got the best offense. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a wild one. Uh, looking at best defense now. Uh, again, it's a real toss-up. There's some great defenses in this uh, in this division. There is. Um, have you got? I'm 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 set. I think. But have you got one that you think um, takes the cake here? 
they've all got pros and cons. I think that we were discussing this before the pod. I think it's got to be the Chargers. They've got Khalil Mack. They've got Derwin James. They've got um, they've got players around. They've got Bosa. They've got players around who can make impact plays. I think it's yeah. I'm a they've fan got a player of, at each level, and I'm a fan of JC Jackson and Kenneth Murray Jr., who yep. I was a big fan of as as a rookie. Um, and you know he's still young, and he didn't have a he hasn't had a great start. I wouldn't say that he's like smashing it in his uh, Micah Parsons level, but I feel like he could be a really, really solid player, you know, put on a bit more size and just wait and see. Hopefully, hopefully um, he connects because if he can, you never know what the Chargers could be this year. This is why this division is so interesting. For sure, for sure. Uh, best special teams. Who you got? Tricky one again. And we were sort of chatting about this, but we're going to go with the Chiefs just because, you know, they've got McCall Hardman. It's it's yet to be known who who will take those uh, kick returns and punt returns. He's done it previously. Um, but third best special teams by PFF last year, a massive improvement from actually when they had uh, Tyreek Hill returning kicks um, many years ago. But, you know, Tyreek Hill can get you that touchdown and not having him there to use as a, as a gadget player whenever you want... Does that take away, and do you think that that do you think that that means that the Chiefs aren't the best special teams, or have you got them as well? I think so. I think Mikel Hardman can fill that similar role if he is back there. Um, they've got. It's a hard one to say the best special teams because what are you rated on? Do you rate the kickers and punters? Do you rate the whole unit as itself? Um, but I think ultimately the Chiefs get a slight edge uh, with that one. Would you mention the Raiders? Um, just be, I think they're got the, Renfro, Daniel Carlson. I think they're um, the the comp. They're the they're the ones who um, you could definitely mention. Yeah. And I I had them as as number one. If we did this last year, I'd have them as number one. Um, but you know they lose their special teams god and yeah. it goes to the Packers because you know what the Packers are like. We just need to fix our special teams. <laughs> after last year's effort so definitely interesting to see how um how it all works out yeah for sure for sure um now best fantasy player don't and i was talking to um aaron as we just heard about us playing in a fantasy comp and not giving each other too many spoilers and uh we might have to give the same advice to each other we've got a fantasy draft coming up very soon but who's your best fantasy player in the afc west i like austin eckler We've, I know you do. You had him last year. Yeah, we, I did. Um, we play PPR, which is that, you know, every time you get a catch, um, you get a point. And yep. he, we know he's a great dump-off option. And as Herbert sort of develops, maybe you think that he starts dumping off less. But when he's so good in the passing game, Eckler, like he's basically a gadget receiver um, yeah. out of the backfield. And 20 touchdowns last year. So I know there's got to be some sort of natural regression, there's got to be like you can't he he can't score twenty touchdowns again, or can he? Or can you know he? what I mean? So it'd be interesting to see. But if he can stay healthy, I feel like he's a great option that you go. You know, that's a safe pick. Maybe there's not as much of an upside there. Maybe you don't get your hundred yard bonus for an extra five points or whatever it is. But who are you going with, H? It's hard to look past Devante Adams. I think in that offense, he's. 
he's still the star. He's still going to get the number one attention. But there's other guys to take the spotlight away from him in a little bit. You look at Hunter Renfro. You look at Darren Waller. Guys who can still stretch the field and get get him open. If they can scheme him open with a coach like Josh McDaniels there, um, working with that offense, I think there's a good chance he's still um, the fantasy player, the best fantasy player in the uh, in the division. But as you said, Russell Wilson opening up some uh, receivers with the Broncos. You look at all the receiving options on the Chargers. <laughs> Who do you pick? I'd... Yeah, it's tricky. And I think that Devontae Adams, I can't see see him being better than he was at the Packers just because he had like a 30% target share and he's not going to get a 30% target share in I mean in Las Vegas just based on the fact that there's so many options as you mentioned with Waller, Renfro um, and I just think it'll be interesting to see because how he's used I still think he's going to be that red zone threat where you just you know lob it up to him or get him on those quick slants and he'll score a touchdown for you every game so I think he's still got a really safe floor but maybe that ceiling's a bit capped by a lack of a huge target share like he had in Green Bay yeah that's a very good point uh who had the best draft in the AFC West I think we're both in agreement here with the Chiefs um you like one of their selections and I like another two different players I really like the Sky Moore pick. Yep. Um, I think that, you know, he adds to that wide receiver depth that we've already mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and an older player at a at a smaller school from Western Michigan, um, but he put up numbers. 1,300 yards last year in college, 10 touchdowns. As I said, we know it's for Western Michigan in what we would... You wouldn't call it a, a terrible, um, you know, the all-Mac, but... You probably would. It's not a power <laughs> so, five. <laughs> yeah, it's not a power five, but I still think that he's a great option, and especially you know getting him in the in the late second. Yeah, I think Trent McDuffie um, out of Washington is another big pick for them. Uh, look for him to make an immediate impact uh, in that secondary. Would he be your best rookie, you think? He would be. Giving a bit of a spoiler to a future one, best rookie, I'd definitely go with Trent McDuffie out of all the uh, out of all the rookies in this division. Um, best coach, does anyone touch Andy Reid? I don't think so. I think... I mean, Josh McDaniels, he's a first year. He's had a head coaching experience before at the Broncos of all teams. Um, he'd be up there. Uh, but Nathaniel Hackett is I like a... Him. I like him. but he's got to prove it at the head coaching level. He's, um, well, we know he's that good of a coach that Aaron Rodgers considered going to the Broncos just to play under him. So yeah. and it's not like LaFleur's a uh, terrible coach or he hasn't got them well drilled or he's ran a, a terrible offense or anything like that. Like Nathaniel Hackett nearly drew Rodgers to the Broncos, which that's big. is pretty big because that's a bit of a small market and I don't think it's LA, which I think that ultimately, I reckon a small call that if Stafford didn't go to the Rams last year, I reckon, I reckon Rodgers would have went this year. Um, and if the Niners didn't draft Lance, I reckon he would have went this year as well. So it's just interesting how, how things pan out. Very interesting indeed. Uh, the worst fan base in the division. Who we got? This is a tricky one. Is it? Yeah. It's, it's a team who couldn't fill a, a soccer stadium, mate. Well, it's the Chargers. It's got to be. They're the worst fan base in the league. It's got to be. I, I think that... You know, the mile high 
um, aspect from the the Broncos. They seem to have a bit of a fan base. They'd probably be my second worst. You know, but the Oakland connection for the Raiders is enough to get them above the line. And then the Chiefs, they've got a pretty diehard fan base. So it's probably got to be the Chargers. It's got to be the Chargers. The Chargers have no fans whatsoever. They've decided to... Um, lay waste to all of their San Diego history when they made that move. And like I said, they couldn't even sell out a soccer stadium. The 20,000 or whatever, say it was 20, 24,000, I think it was, seat soccer stadium, and they couldn't even sell it out. They were being overrun with opposition fans each week. That's abysmal, and it hasn't improved. And, they're yeah, they're, they're, I think they're starting to become the Clippers of LA, like they're the little brother. And when I, when I went to LA, you looked at the team store, and it was dead set three-quarters Rams. And I know they've just won the Super Bowl, but that's supposed to be a 50-50 split. It was three-quarters, if not more, Rams. Yeah, Their I, own city hates them. I think that it's almost like they've tried to keep that San Diego connection a bit. And Rams fans are like, well, you know what? They're, the Rams have come out and said, this is our team. We're LA's team. And the Chargers have always just sheepishly come across, I feel like. And we're San Diego, but we'd, we're just renting in LA at the moment. Yeah, and um, as, uh, as Aaron calls them, he calls them the leeches because they actually um, refuse to, to pay. Um to be it so far um so you know it's hard to really look past and probably a bit of an easy one as you said but yeah you could could still argue either way like you could bring in there is no argument (laughs) i'm I'm sorry i'm sorry no they're certainly the worst but it's like in the league by a mile over the cardinals you think they got a they think they got a worse fan base than the cardinals the jags the Jags is the only team I might make an exception for, but the Jags still get people in the building. Maybe it's just to use the pool and not support the team, but at least they're in the stadium. <laughs> yeah, they're there for Minshew mania. He, now, he's, now, he's, now he's gone. Oh, and, uh, they should have kept Minshew. Look, the Mo, all the fans with the Mo's in the stands. See, sense, look at that it? fan base. They're getting around the boy. It just made sense, didn't it? The Chargers have got Justin Herbert, one of the most exciting players in the league, and they still can't sell out a stadium. That's why I'm like, they've they've got to jump on the wagon eventually. Like, I feel like LA's going to jump on the wagon eventually. We know LA loves the hype train. So maybe, just maybe, they get good enough where it's like, crap, I'm just going to support this team now because, you know what? They're just that good. Because that, that that's what watch. makes a good fan base. Bandwagoners. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> mate. And there's plenty of them across all sports. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, best fan base. Who you got? Yeah, I think we chatted, or think I chatted just before about this. I Probably between the Raiders and Chiefs. I'm going to go with the Chiefs. But as I said, you know, when the Raiders were in Oakland, I would have given it to, to the Raiders for sure. It's an interesting one. If you're just talking the Las Vegas Raiders specifically, then it's the Chiefs. But if you're talking the Raiders brand, the Raider image, as they call it, I think it's the Raiders. They've got such an identity that spreads from Oakland to LA. Like They're they're more LA's team than the Rams are, to be honest. They've got an identity there. They've got an identity in Vegas. They've got an identity around the world where they're one of the most recognizable, um, bar probably the Cowboys, they're the most recognizable NFL team around the world. Um, I think that that bumps them up a little bit. Yeah, it does. And I, I honestly don't want to give any credit to the Raiders after what Brady <laughs> said this week. And, uh, Gruden, You're sticking with that 
MFR. Yeah, Gruden. Uh, Gruden, what are you doing, mate? Because uh, what is the go there? And if you didn't know, basically what's happened is... Dana um, White came out with the information. Yeah, Dana White. I don't know how much he's encouraged it, but it was Brady and Gronk um, to Las Vegas to play for the Raiders, which... Oh, I could not imagine that That's looking back now. weird, yeah. That would have been so interesting. Um, all right, well, moving on now. Best divisional game. Um, I'm going to go the Week 18 matchup, Chiefs at Raiders. I think that's a big one. It's a late-season matchup. What do you got? Uh, it's tricky. Um, it, I could go with the Chiefs and charges just because I think it has that big um, division leader implications but it's only it's too early in the season I feel like so maybe I'm sort of in agreement um, with you there it's in it's at the end of November so it's not even you know your December divisional games so yeah for sure uh, best dynasty it's probably an argument between the Broncos and Raiders just if you're counting rings I think I'm probably leaning Broncos, just how consistent they've been. I mean, they made the Super Bowl a lot of times with Elway before finally getting over the mark. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's Broncos for me. Uh, surprise pro bowler, who do you think? Leaning into my fantasy chat, I think it's got to be Eckler. And looking at this now, it's like, how did he not get it last year with 20 touchdowns, nearly 1,000 yards rushing? And we know he's not even... a He's not even a rushing running back. He's not even a running running back, which is funnily enough. Yeah. He's a receiving running back, and he um, he works with that. So, yeah, I think that he's a good option. Hasn't made it, which mm. is interesting as well. That's surprising. They're very surprising. Uh, best rivalry. I think the most traditional one is probably Chiefs-Raiders. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. All right, looking at predictions now. Let's run through them four to one. Number four. Weird saying this with Russell Wilson, but it's got to be the Broncos. It's this division is genuinely one where I could see any four team winning, and probably any four team bar the Chiefs coming fourth. Yeah, I just don't. Unless Mahomes gets injured, I can't see the Chiefs finishing fourth. I mean, maybe it does. That's what it. Maybe that's what the division's decided on health, and I honestly mm. think it probably will be. Uh, number three, who you got? I got the Raiders. Even that's weird to say. Like a Devante Adams, Hunter Renfro, but you just look at the teams in this division. I think if any of these teams were in the AFC South, they would win it going away. Oh, for sure. Probably. Number two. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Chargers here, but I could see an upset and I could see them take the number one spot. So maybe watch out for those matchups between the Chiefs and Chargers, as I mentioned. And number one, of course, we've got... Well, it leaves the the uh, the Chiefs. Yeah, the Chiefs, of course. Um, trying to get back into that Super Bowl game. All right, well, that's it for our chat about the AFC West. Let's move on to the mailbag now. Uh, Rob from Warners Bay asks, Tom Brady's absence from the Bucks is it a cause for concern? I've been going back and forth on this a little bit. As have I. I think it is. But it, at the grand scheme of things, when he comes back and he resumes like normal, it's going to be like it was nothing. Yeah. But right now, I'm like, yeah, this is a little bit concerning because it wouldn't surprise me if I saw tomorrow that he's retired. It's come out that he doesn't want to return. You know, he's done. He's had another crack. But 
I think that hurts his legacy and Brady's all about his legacy. Yeah, it was interesting. The first reports out of it were that he was leaving for a personal matter, something to do with family. But the reports slowly started to change their tact where it started to come out that, no, he was unhappy with how the Bucks practices were going. He was a bit frustrated and decided to take those two weeks or the indefinite off. It was initially reported that he'd be back after the week two game, which has just passed. Um, we've yet to see whether he will return, of course, uh, at the time of recording. But it's very interesting. And the further it goes along, I think the more concerned you've got to be. I reckon he's paved off with his O-line, personally. Mm. I think that whilst it hasn't come out what he's actually angry about with the training, it's probably got to be the mix of Lenny Fournette not coming back in shape. Maybe, you know, he's got Ryan Jensen who's been injured. He's going to miss most of the year, if not all of the year. Gronk's Um, not coming back. Gronk's not there. He's probably like, geez. This team isn't the team it was last year. Exactly. So interesting to see how it all pans out. But I think... It's not a cause for concern until it's a cause for concern. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's almost like once we hear news, it can't be, it can't be great news unless he's just back and he's in into things. Yeah, for sure. Um, all Australian selections have been announced. Who is the biggest uh, All Australian snub? That question was from Joe from Newcastle, one of our podcast favourites. It's one of two. Um, and this is not to take away from the the back lo- or the backmen that have been selected, you know your Tom Barras and your Braden Maynard. But I thought that Nick Dacos in his first year had a better year than both of those. Um, I yeah. thought that Sam Doherty had a better year than both of those. So got to be one of the two. Um, for people like Nick Dacos, it's it's oh, I'll get an opportunity again because I'm a star in this competition. But for someone like Sam Doherty, and he just had the story, Sam Doherty, you know, overcoming cancer in the off season, coming out and playing amazing football, um, and not getting the selection. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a punch uh, to the gut, especially for me as a Carlton supporter and one of my favourite players. Because it's just how do you how do you not love that guy? So. That's the personal one, but I think Dacos has got to be up there as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, with Isaac Rankine's trade request to Adelaide Im- imminent, what do Gold Coast need to do to keep their drafted players? Noah from Newcastle asked that one. Yeah, it's it's a never-ending battle, really. We know that they lose all of their drafted talent. Um, you know, we think about guys that have left around the competition. You've got Tom Lynch, who is always up there um, for the Coleman and he's been a, a star, and you even, you just think about, like, Charlie Dixon, you just think, the list goes on and on and on, and I could sit here and name names for, for nearly 20 minutes, what it feels like, but what do you do? I just think you've got to continue to pick that Queensland talent if it's there, you've got to continue to breed your youth as, as um, goal, talent on the Gold Coast improves, yeah. um, but also, you've just got to continue to make it a winning environment. Because at the end of the day, the players want to be there. If you're going to move them in a state, they want to be winning. Yeah, exactly. I think that the model that you're looking at is sort of like the Swans model. I know they've been more established um, in Sydney and have got a bit more history behind them. But having that academy there, and you look at some of the academy players that have made the... Speaking about All-Australians, you'd look at Isaac Heaney, Callum Mills making the All-Australian teams recently. It's been, And Chad Warner as well. Their, their academy is breeding their success. They've got those local players, like you mentioned. The Suns need to be breeding those local players up into their team to be successful. Yeah, well, you like you got Chad Warner and you got Dylan Stevens um, and those young guys like that that are in a state and you sort of feel like they could leave. I, 
I thought Dylan Stevens was gone um, when the Swans weren't giving him opportunities. But he he's still there because the Swans have bred that culture and they've given him games and they've obviously persevered with him and communicated with him. Um, and he's been playing great football um, this year. So it's interesting to see. And I think that it's all about that culture that you mentioned, that blood's culture. So Success breeds success. Gold Coast need to start having success and having a consistent run of form. They had a decent uh, season this year compared to what everyone believed they could be. So more seasons like that. Improvement breeds improvement. Uh, last question uh, from Sam from Newcastle. Dane Zorko, uh, sledging of Harrison Petty. What are our thoughts? It's grim. It's really grim. Um, it shows that there's a line in football, and I don't think that that line should be crossed because no. I think that once you bring family, um, and this is a professional league. It's not the lunchtime league. It's not local league. Even if it is, though. a joke, but we don't know what was said, but... It's enough to say that it was family, it was personal, and he's reacted that way because it was obviously pretty significant. So, and the circumstances of when he said it as well. He's like it's not like he's belted kicking, by eighty points, and it's not like he's kicking for goal or he's you know having a sledge. He's went out of his way to bump him and get into him and obviously mention that, which is just yeah, it's astonishing. It's really, it's heinous, absolutely heinous. I think there's no place for it in football, and. Um, yeah, yeah I, I don't think, like we said, uh, we were talking about it before the pod, and I don't think it'll ever get out, what he said. Um, I don't think the AFL want it getting out. Uh, they'll have their private communications about it, but it's not on. No, it's not. And what do you do if you're Brisbane? It's it's difficult. It's like, you know, he's a leader of that football club. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's not it's not a good look. Definitely not a good look. Uh, anyway, moving on now to our lock of the week. Uh, now, as of time of recording, we're recording Monday night, so we don't know the result yet of our lock off United versus Liverpool. By the time this comes out, uh, we'll find out the result. And the way Manchester United have looked lately, probably going to be a win to you, mate. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I still think that it's going to be close, and I think that it draws on the cards. I think that. They're well drilled enough pretty, to, get, pretty, please. to get the um to get a point at least, Man United that is. But if current form suggests Liverpool should take this one out, it's at Old Trafford though, which I think that does help Man United. If it was at if it was at Anfield, I feel like it'd be done. It'd be Liverpool for sure. I've got three United players in my fantasy team too. I really need United to play well. Um, now, one thing we did want to announce. The finale to our lock-off competition, the uh, the cherry on top, the punishment that we've referenced. Ollie, did you want to announce it? Yeah, so it's a bit of a, a food stand or a lemonade <laughs> stand. We haven't decided. I suppose it can be the loser's choice as to what they think they can sell because they're going to have to make $10 from strangers. So there's a bus stop that's close enough out the front of my house near a shopping center. Um, and I think that we'll set up there. We'll take a couple of photos, maybe a couple of videos, and the loser's got to try and sell some goods. Um, the winner will also get to choose the costume. So oh, dear. Basically <laughs> what am I going to get you to wear? Oh, well, if Liverpool get the job done, it'll be 10 all. So what's our locks <laughs> no. this week? Because you know what? I would rather I would rather not have to sit, sit down there and try and make some money because the I don't t- want to look like a fool. <laughs> the types around your place, though, you never know what'll happen. 
You really don't. And Please tell me we're doing this in the daytime. I think we will. We definitely will be doing <laughs> it in the day. For personal safety, I think we have to. Um, now, uh, this week's locks. I'm going to take Parramatta to beat Brisbane Broncos. What are you, you going to do? I'm going to go the Storm to beat the Sydney Roosters, which seems a bit ridiculous after winning by 66 points, but <sighs> it's in Melbourne. Um, the Storm are in good form. You know, they've still been depleted by some injuries and suspensions, but, you know, they're a class organisation and a class team that's, you know, going to want to maintain um, that form and, and get a spot in the top four. For sure, for sure. Well, the current lock score, like I'll mention, is 10 to 9, which means by next podcast, I could potentially be on 12. True. If, if United get the Very win true. and Parramatta get a win, it could get to 12. Now, if we do happen to reach 12 at the same time, it's tennis-style rules, so you've got to be one ahead. So if we both reach 12, it'll be first to 13. If we both reach that, first to 14, and so on until one of us has got that clearance ahead. And it'll probably, at some point, we'll have another lock-off. So it'll probably, uh, it'll be, the deadlock will be broken at some point. Um, but hoping that uh, next week we can get you uh, in your costume, in your little tutu or something. Yeah, it's not going to happen, mate. I've already picked out a costume that I want you to wear. <laughs> oh, no. Um, so I'm looking forward to that, and hopefully I can string together a couple of wins and, and, and take the cake. The comeback kid himself. All right, well, that's it for our podcast today. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate all of your support, all of your fantastic feedback. Uh, if you'd like to follow us, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Road Trip Sports Pod. Uh, you can find us on YouTube. Road Trip Sports Podcast is what you need to search. Any inquiries you've got, uh, send them through to roadtripsportspodcast at gmail.com or you can slide into our DMs for anything you'd like, any questions you've got, if you'd like to get on the podcast. We really appreciate having Aaron on today um, to discuss the NFC West. So if you'd like to get on and discuss your favorite sport or your times viewing sport or any cities you've been to please get in touch with us it's going to be a big week of sport coming up uh the afl is on a bye uh but next week i'm sure we'll be discussing finals and our predictions maybe even a review of our uh pre-season afl predictions but it's gonna be fun i'm looking forward to it h absolutely well thank you so much for listening and we will catch you next time see ya